Thank you, David. You know that uh, the events that happened there in Washington this week were just a, again a reminder of why we don't participate in uh, that political battle. I looked down over this article a little bit more and thought, well, I think I should read one more uh, paragraph that uh, this Amy Median wrote. The last uh, verse or uh, line that I had read, nobody was interested in this post anymore. She continues, as I reflect on the last four years, I mourn the loss of that attraction to the missionary mindset among American Christians. Sure, one could arguably make the case that there were gains in religious liberty and conservative values in, those, in these last four years. But was there a cost? Being in power makes us feel like we can win battles without winning hearts. It can make us idolize strength instead of glorying in weakness. It can make us forget that we are supposed to be living like missionaries. So that paragraph was worth a read as well. <clears throat> All right. Well, welcome each one. Good to see all of you this morning. Welcome to our guests among us. Blessings to you today. If you're able, maybe we could stand together and have a word of prayer before we go into the message. Heavenly Father, we are thankful again this morning for the freedom to gather. We're not uh, hindered by our governments. We thank you for that. Thank you that uh, our uh, country has allowed freedom of worship, freedom of religion, freedom to serve our God in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray that today, on this day, as many Americans and even across the world, people gather in churches, we pray that again today your spirit would take the word that is taught and preached in various places and use it, touching hearts and lives, moving us, moving us from where we are to uh, realize perhaps first of all understand where we should be and, and then help us to, to move in that direction, Lord. Father, as we... As we uh, Reflect on, reflected a bit on the past uh, number of years and realize that uh, we tend, Father, as Christians, we tend to become lax when things are easy and uh, when uh, things seem to be in our favor. And we tend to become earnest when it seems things are moving against us and our faith. And so, Father, forgive us for our our uh, laxness, 
Forgive us for not maintaining earnestness of heart, regardless of what the climate of our country is and the environment, Lord. And Father, strengthen us again today as we look into the scriptures, as we uh, consider the example of some that have gone before. Lord, strengthen us. Give us courage to step up and uh, stand for you in, in life, in circumstances, in day-to-day life situations. So, Father, bless this hour. Bless all that are here. Bless those who perhaps had a desire to be here and are not able. May you meet all of our needs together here this morning as we wait upon you. Thank you for the things that have been shared. And, Father, continue to inspire our hearts in, in faithfulness to you. We, we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, so today uh, for the message I'd like to draw our attention to a, an individual that is mentioned two times in the Bible. Um, we don't know a lot about him, but we do have a little window into his life. We find him, in, him uh, mentioned in 2 Timothy, so you can turn to the book of 2 Timothy. We'd like to uh, just learn from his example. I'm going to read 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 16 and reading through verse 18. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy in the day of mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So uh, we have there a gentleman called Onesiphorus, and uh, we find him uh, mentioned uh, in uh, the fourth chapter of uh, 2 Timothy here as well, in verse 19, where Paul says, salute Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. It's the only times that he's mentioned in the Bible, uh, but uh, the, the second reading there, that, that we wouldn't learn, we wouldn't get too much from that reading, but we do get a, a window into his life here in the, in the first chapter. Now, I'd like to, uh, well, let, let, uh, let's just uh, back there in chapter 1 again. Let's uh, go back and uh, include verse or uh, look at verse 15 as well, which precedes what we read in verse 16 through 18. This, verse 15, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagelus and Hermogenes. Uh, he, he, uh, Paul mentions two individuals, but uh, he says that all. Uh, they which are in Asia are be turned away from me. 
like to uh, take just a few minutes and give a little bit of, uh, uh, of history to this particular time uh, that uh, Paul is, is writing, uh, give a little context to this. This, uh, this uh, time frame is during the persecution of Nero. Nero had, uh, he had set fire to the city of Rome and burned it. And of course, uh, he, and his, his, uh, his, his uh, motivation was he wanted to rebuild Rome and he wanted to build it as a grander, much more grander and much more elaborate and much more. And so he burned the city. But he's, uh, in order to uh, turn the attention off of himself, to divert the suspicion from himself, he accused the Christians of having started the fire that burned the city. And the result was uh, in a very, a very severe time of persecution against the Christians uh, during that time says, many Christians died cruel deaths under this false accusation. And if you, uh, if you were to study into that, you would discover that is actually very, very true. Uh, the Christian church was, uh, and I think this is something to note, the Christian church and the Christian faith was a, was a minority in the environment of the day. Yes, there was a healthy church. Yes, there was a thriving church. Yes, there were Christians who were, uh, uh, the testimony of Jesus was, was vibrant and alive in that area, but they were still a minority in the whole uh, context of the population. And so this little minority group got, got labeled as having been the ones who started the fire and who got persecuted severely, uh, a lot of it under a false accusation for their... Uh, and so that is the context in which Paul uh, finds himself in prison uh, during that, that environment where uh, the Christian church... And you can imagine if the Christian church was being persecuted... Uh, that they would, they would uh, hunt out the leaders and and uh, deal with them. So that is the environment that we had have, and uh, Paul, as he writes this, he's uh, sitting in a in a Roman prison, and he's waiting his execution, which is in the not-too-distant future. And it's in that context that he uh, gives these comments about this man named Onesiphorus. We see there that uh, it's in that context that Onesiphorus goes to Rome, searches for Paul, uh, Obviously, I think uh, the way Paul says it here, he sought me out very diligently and found me. How many places did he have to go until he found Paul? We don't know that. 
but he sought, he looked, he hunted until he found him. Uh, in the context where Christians were being severely persecuted. So we'd like to think about this, uh, this man Onesiphorus a bit and just uh, take a few uh, uh, lessons from his life. Uh, I'm sure that uh, if we would do an exhaustive, extensive study of his life and, and the testimony he, that is given of him, we could, we could probably uh, think about a lot of things. But the first point I'd like to give some time and attention to is simply the fact that uh, his love conquered fear. You know, the, uh, well, let me just look at my notes here a bit. You know, uh, he was uh, willing as a Christian to put his own life on the line uh, in, in what we see here, in that he was willing to go and search for Paul. He was not afraid to uh, be identified with Paul, uh, who, was a, who was in prison. He wasn't afraid to be seen with Paul. He wasn't afraid to uh, be uh, uh, identified as a Christian. Uh, his love conquered fear. Not all uh, believers... Uh, were that successful in their walk. That they were able to conquer their fear through love. We see that in this previous verse here where uh, people actually turned away. And there's another, yeah, in, uh, in chapter 2 verse, uh, or in chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, back to chapter 4 again. Paul says, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by my preaching, by me, by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So there's a situation, I believe, where Paul was, uh, he was being tried. He was being, he needed to, he was being, uh, he was apparently standing in the, in, the, in the place of trial and all the other Christians disappeared into the thickets. You know, they, no one came out, no one stood, no one sat, no one uh, was present to, uh, you know, to, to, to look at uh, Paul as he's giving his testimony of faith in Christ and, and, and to encourage him and to... They all disappeared, according to this uh, testimony that Paul gives here. So not everyone was uh, living, conquering the fear that was very real. And I think it would be very real in our hearts, too. If about 15, 20% of our, our people were in prison, and, uh, and maybe even more, I don't know, but uh, we all knew that meeting together, uh, going to see them, uh, showing any identification with them would also risk us being 
thrown into prison. Their fear would be real, without question. I'm not going to even try to deny that. But here was Onesiphorus. He was able, by his love, his love, the Bible tells us perfect, uh, perfect love casts out fear. There's another scripture here um, that I think we'll, we'll look at it, it, as we're thinking about this and people being afraid. Just back up in chapter 1 to uh, verse uh, 7. Paul is writing to Timothy. And just thinking of now the, the context that all this is happening in, Paul says to Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Then look at verse 8, next verse. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our, of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Notice that Paul seems to maybe even be nudging Timothy a little bit. Timothy might have been tempted to be afraid as well, afraid to identify with Paul, afraid to stand, you know, uh, tempted to shrink back into the shadows a bit so as not to be uh, caught or suffer persecution, but Paul almost seems to be nudging him a little bit. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of, of, uh, of the testimony of Jesus. And don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. So it was a very real thing. Uh, and so it's, 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 uh, it's noteworthy that Onesiphorus seemed to have overcome the fear by his love. His love for God, his love for his fellow man, and uh, was willing to step out and, and uh, do what uh, he felt needed to be done as a Christian in encouraging Paul and... Uh, putting his own life on the line in doing that. There's, uh, we already uh, talked a little bit about Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, there's a t uh, another word of testimony about them in Romans. End of the, ch end of the book of Romans. Chapter 16. <clears throat> Romans 16, verse 3 and 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not I not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So there we have uh, Paul giving a testimony of Priscilla and Aquila. And they have the testimony that they also put their, excuse me, put their necks on the line, as we would say it sometimes. They, uh, they, they also had that testimony. Uh, where were they when all men forsook? You know, I don't know. Uh, I'm 
I take it that uh, uh, I take it that you know obviously things were uh, considerably different in in their environment. I don't know how close uh, Priscilla and Aquila would have lived to where Paul was in prison and all those kind of things. I don't know uh, if they would have had uh, if information would have been given to them to know when Paul was going to be in trial and all those things. Where were they when Paul was in trial? I don't know. Uh, likely, uh, they may not even, uh, maybe they weren't even aware of that uh, particular incident that he mentions where all men forsook him. But without a doubt, uh, here's some people that did rise uh, to the, uh, who were willing to put their own testimony, uh, put their own lives on the line. And it's interesting to note that yeah, that uh, earlier verse there that we read in in Second Timothy chapter four, where he salutes Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. The way he salutes them together, it almost gives you the idea that they lived in a fairly close proximity of each other. And it's interesting to note that uh, I'm not saying it's definite, but. I'm going to simply suggest this. I'm guessing that these folks, uh, Onesiphorus and Priscilla and Aquila, were uh, close enough proximity that they were encouraging each other quite a lot. And perhaps that's why they both come to the surface. They were, they were perhaps encouraging each other, encouraging each other to be diligent, encouraging each other to not fear encouraging each other to be full of faith, to trust God, to put their lives on the line, to do what they have to do, what they feel they should do as believers, and trust God for the outcome. And so that's what we see um, in this situation. So Onesiphorus, his love conquered fear, and he was able to minister to Paul, able to encourage Paul, able to be there when Paul needed encouragement and uh, fill in the gap there. And just for a little bit of personal uh, application, you know, we, we live our lives where we live. And uh, uh, you know, our opportunities don't quite look like that particular situation at this point. It could begin to get more of that resemblance as we move along, but, uh, but we also have opportunities. And, and uh, the question that I would raise simply is, how many opportunities of ministry, of encouragement, uh, of encouraging someone, of touching someone's life in a positive way, how many opportunities are missed in our experience because we're afraid for whatever reason? You know, whether we're afraid of failure, whether we're afraid of uh, uh, getting our hands messy when we try to help someone whose life is all tangled up in sin or whatever, you know, uh, what, what opportunities are there in our lives and uh, what hinders us from taking advantage of those opportunities or, or yeah. Love conquers fear. And I, I simply want to encourage us in that. Uh, love conquers fear. 
if there's something in our lives, someone in our lives that God is wanting us to reach out to, and we're halting, we're hesitating, we're wondering, what can I do? You know, perhaps love can conquer that fear. And it can be as simple as, as uh, just in our homes even, you know, as spouses, as parents ministering to our children, or even uh, older children ministering to each other, or in our communities, someone in our community who's uh, struggling for whatever reason, and we can uh, encourage them. I'm reminded of a blessing that I received, and I'm going to pass it on. You youth, you, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you all went and sang to some of the neighbors in our community, and uh, there's one gentleman, his name is Les Landis, I don't know if you remember him or not, but uh, I met him this week, and was... Uh, helping him a little bit, and I was about to leave, and he said, before you leave, I want to say something to you. He said, uh, the best thing that happened through this whole holiday season is when your youth came and sang for us. And I'm simply telling you that he was 100% sincere. He was just plain down blessed. Now, this gentleman does enjoy singing. He, he would, uh, if there was a singing group doing a performance in the, in the area, he was the type of person who would go. And, and, uh, but I just want to pass that blessing on to you. You blessed that man tremendously. And uh, thank you for that. All right, next point. Uh, so we looked at, uh, first, uh, just reflecting, uh, we looked at the fact that Onesiphorus was willing or was able to, uh, that love conquered fear in his life. Onesiphorus then, secondly, understood that everyone needs encouragement and support. Um, you know, I think we all, we kind of look up to the Apostle Paul as we, see his life, and, you know, we read about the situation there um, where he was stoned and they left for dead, and, and uh, I used to love the way Brother Denny Keniston would say it, he, he shook himself, uh, shook the stones off of him and got up and went to the next town and preached Christ, you know, he's kind of one of those unstoppable fellows and we 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 admire him for that testimony and we kind of wish sometimes we had more of him <laughs> in our own experience you know that kind of thing but Onesiphorus understood that everyone you know no matter how strong we might think that person is no matter how mature we might think they are no matter how seasoned a Christian we might think they are and we might think you know they can handle it, you know. Uh, they're able to pull through that. You know, Onesiphorus understood that individual uh, people need encouragement. 
no matter who they are, where uh, you know. And uh, there was a there's another uh, uh, te- uh, testimony about encouraging or or assisting that P- uh, Paul gives in Philippians, and maybe we'll turn to Philippians chapter four. <coughs> Philippians 4, uh, I think I was starting, verse 10, Paul says, I, I rejoice that in the Lord that, you're, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. It says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, it seems that this, is, uh, this context is a little bit more on the level of uh, offering Paul some of his physical needs, uh, ministering to him in that way. <clears throat> However, uh, and 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 then Paul in uh, he testifies that you know he has learned he has learned that in whatever state if if there's no his needs are aren't met and he's suffering hunger and he's cold and and whatever he has learned to be content uh, in whatever state, and he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, and that's his testimony, you know, he is, and just like you have the, the testimony we read there in, uh, in Timothy, where all men, in his first trial, all men forsook him, but God stood by him and strengthened him, so you have that element of things, God does uh, help his people. God does strengthen his people. God is there for us in that time of need. However, verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Uh, you know, that is all true, that God is there for us. He is, he is, uh, he doesn't forsake his children. He does, but there is there is the the there is the reality that uh, we also need, and I, I we need that encouragement from fellow men, fellow believers. Uh, it's it's a necessary thing in life. Can we survive without it? Uh, we can, you know. The the God will not forsake us, but it's. It's Onesiphorus understood that Paul needed that encouragement. He needed encouragement from a fellow believer. And uh, he was willing to risk his life to accomplish uh, that end, to provide that for Paul. And here Paul commends, or, or, or uh, yeah, he, he commends, the, he's, in one verse he says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And the next verse he says, but you did well that you communicated to me the things that were needful to me. 
uh, it was a good thing, it was a right thing, and a necessary thing, and a helpful thing. <clears throat> In 2 Timothy, going back to that text again, 2 Timothy 4, Second Timothy 4, 9, uh, Paul says to Timothy, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. So as Paul is writing to Timothy, he's exhorting Timothy to come and see him. And, uh, and then we go to verse 11, and he says, uh, well, he talks about Demas having forsaken him in uh, verse 10. He says then in verse 11, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Uh, he gives him a couple of more uh, instructions there. Uh, talks about uh, some things he wants Timothy to bring to him. Coat, cloak, uh, books, and parchments. Um... Then in verse 21, he says, Do thy diligence to come before winter. So we just, we see the heart of Paul. You know, Paul is a real man. Paul, uh, the fellowship of believers, the, the interaction with believers is important, is necessary. Let me say it that way. Paul needed it. Paul wanted it. Paul desired it. And he exhorted Timothy to come and see him. So, and Onesiphorus understood that, uh, that uh, situation. I'm going to take your minds to uh, the garden uh, where Jesus uh, prayed before his crucifixion in Matthew 26. Uh, think about Jesus there and uh, the disciples. I don't think I'll read the entire context, but I just want to uh, reflect on it. It's found in Matthew 26, verse 36, where Jesus cometh to a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is pos be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so he goes away prays again, comes back, finds him asleep. You know, and, you know, life, reality is that life meets out situations that human beings are not going to understand fully. You know, that is life. And there are those situations and moments and times in life where there is nothing to do but to find a corner and fall on your face before God and find the peace and rest in God that no human being can provide. And yet, here is Jesus. 
he's facing that very thing. And yet he comes back to the disciples and, and is looking for some, I believe, some affirmation that they understand at least a little bit. And perhaps a word of encouragement, perhaps just saying, you know, Jesus, you can do it. You know, just some kind of, an, I don't know what he was looking for. But he came back to them several times. But then he, back to the corner alone. Uh, but again, just thinking about the fact that as people, uh, we're not meant to fight the battles of life all in isolation. Never meant to be that way. And, uh, and we see that in Paul. We see it in Jesus here in uh, the desire for interaction and in, in fellowship and encouragement and support from fellow uh, believers, friends, and so forth. Onesiphorus understood that. Uh, and so the challenge, uh, uh, Onesiphorus understood it, and it was important enough to Onesiphorus that he was willing to put his own life on the line to accomplish that for Paul, to provide that encouragement to... And multiple times, it seems, that he uh, visited Paul while Paul was in prison. And uh, so, again, that encouragement for us, you know, those around you, they need encouragement. They need support. They need what you can provide them. So remember that. Uh, be willing to look for opportunities and be willing to uh, be willing to lay down your own goals and objectives and whatever for the day because God brought an opportunity your way or you saw an opportunity or you heard of an opportunity and your heart engaged to, uh, to meet that need to provide that word of blessing to provide that word of encouragement to whatever it is okay moving on so Nesiphus understood that everyone needs encouragement Onesiphorus poured out uh, Onesiphorus poured his life out in ministry. Uh, again, back to our original text there, which we haven't looked at it a lot in Second Timothy there, chapter 1, verse uh, 16, 17, and 18. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me, and the Lord grant mercy unto him. Uh, You know, I'm going to suppose, uh, just looking at the way he hunted for Paul, he didn't just happen upon him. You know, he didn't just happen by and stop in and say, Hi, Paul, I was just going by. He, he had to search for him. He had to, he had to put forth diligent effort to, uh, to find him. And he was willing to do that. And like, uh, uh, as Paul's testimony was that uh, in Ephesus... Uh, he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So his life was uh, a testimony of that very thing, of ministering. And uh, how he did it, we aren't necessarily given a lot of details, but uh, he, was, he was about 
the, 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 the ministry of ministering. As I thought about uh, Onesiphorus in that level, I also thought about some others in the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 16, we have the testimony of the house of Stephanus that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So that was the testimony of that household, uh, have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Philemon, a book that we don't uh, often turn to, but uh, in uh, chapter, in, the, in verse 7 of the book of Philemon, it says, and I'm going to read this one in the ESV, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Uh, so Philemon, though he is a person we don't know much about either, but he also had that testimony that he, uh, he, the, he was one who refreshed the hearts of the saints and so obviously poured out his life in, in ministry as well. And Peter gives us this exhortation, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So Peter is encouraging us to um, use our gifts and our abilities to minister to each other. As the Lord has blessed us with gifts and abilities to encourage those around us. Paul also says this in Philippians chapter 2, and again I'm going to read the ESV on this one, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. And there, that, that verse uh, really sums it up well in that we're not to just be self-focused. We're not just to be thinking about my own life, what I'm doing, what I've got on my plate, and what uh, pursuits and goals I have to accomplish, and how I'm going to get there, and, and uh, all those kind of things. We're to be thinking about our fellow man as well. And how can we facilitate them in their journey? How can we be a blessing to them in their walk with God? How can we be an encouragement and a support in the things that they're facing and working through and uh, that God has allowed to come into their lives? How can we? Uh, we're, not, we're, we're encouraged, we're exhorted to, to have that kind of a focus, not just not have an inward focus, but an outward focus. And uh, living life that way. <clears throat> and Onesiphorus did that. Poured out his life in ministry to others. And we are also exhorted to do that. The next point, uh, and it ties in the, kind of similar, but Onesiphorus understood the losing life. And I want to draw from the words of Christ here in Matthew 16. And I'm going to turn to that. Matthew 16, I'm uh, maybe borrowing that term a little bit from Bible school, you youth, the losing life, um, Onesiphorus understood the losing life, 
In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus speaking, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whosoever will lose his life, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That describes what we sometimes call the, the losing life, uh, where Jesus exhorts us that if we will lose our life, we will find it. If we will save our life, we will lose it. Basically, uh, the idea that... Uh, like we said earlier, if, if we only focus on trying to build, preserve, save, keep our own life and that which is of, uh, is of our interest, it'll slip away on us. But if we uh, lose our life, if we uh, lay down our lives for Christ, for His cause, for His kingdom, for His purposes in the many, many varied ways that we have those opportunities. If we'll do that, we'll find our life. And Onesiphorus, I believe, understood that based on the testimony of his life, of uh, how he poured out his life in an effort to uh, minister and meet the needs of others. I would suppose Onesiphorus probably had some opportunities uh, to uh, build his own focus on his own interests, I would suppose he did, probably different than our environment today, but every age and every culture and every generation has those opportunities, those things that are uh, pressing in in everyday life, those opportunities that come in everyday life. Uh, every age and culture has them, and Onesiphorus no doubt did as well. But he denied those opportunities in order to live a life of uh, ministry. And we have those opportunities as well. We have opportunities, plenty of them, to focus on just on ourselves and what is of interest to us and build our life, retain our life, uh, or, and, and in the end, lose it. Or we can uh, lose it now, give it away now, uh, choose to serve, choose to uh, pour out, and we'll find it. The losing life. We have the, uh, the text there in Matthew 25 where Jesus talks about the, uh, the last... Maybe I'll just quickly refer to that, look at that a little bit. When we think about the losing life, Matthew 25. Thirty-four is where, uh, where Jesus talks about, uh, he says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. Sick and in prison, ye visited me. 
And then the, uh, verse 37, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered, or, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. He goes on and gives a, a, a different uh, uh, word to those on his other hand, on his left hand, and tells them to depart. Uh, and he cursed in everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was and hungered, I was thirsty, I was in prison, I was, and you did not. And they say, well, when? When? Basically, the the... The whole tenor there is uh, a life that is poured out for the needs of others versus a life that is retained for oneself, where one's energies, one's focus, one's interests are simply myself and what profits me and how it can benefit me. Versus a life that is poured out for the benefit, the blessing, the help, the encouragement, the support of others. And Jesus says when we do that, we're doing it as unto him. So Onesiphorus understood that losing life. And, uh, you know, Onesiphorus is gone. We're here. It's our opportunity now. It's our turn to uh, develop that kind of a testimony. In wrapping it up here, I'd like to just turn our attention yet to uh, Hebrews eleven twenty four, and just take a real quick look at another individual's life and see how that compares or has the same testimony as Onesiphorus. <clears throat> In uh, Hebrews 11, verse uh, 24, we have this testimony of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You think uh, Moses and Onesiphorus had something in common. <laughs> I think they had a lot of things in common, actually. But uh, both of these, uh, their actions demonstrated that they were, uh, they were motivated by something greater than the fear of man. Both of these, uh, we looked at that early in Onesiphorus' life. And what is it that uh, what is it that we would say was probably the capstone of their their testimony? What was it that caused both of these men to finish well? And I I say it that way. I mean, they lived well. In, in, the, in, in light of the testimony of a Christian and walking with God and, and reflecting what, uh, what, a, what a life looks like. What did these men 
what was it? And I think we, we, we see it in the last part of the verse there when it says about Moses, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Uh, that was what uh, Moses uh, saw. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. I guess I would like to suggest that Onesiphorus saw that as well. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. The one who uh, is invisible. And I'd like to simply uh, leave that challenge with us as we are in the arena of life. You know, we, I, I get in, or I hear some conversations, I, I, I get into conversations, again, thinking back now a little to that uh, statement that uh, I read about uh, governments and elections and all those kind of things. Um, we hear conversations about the change that is likely to come, and I understand that. But one of my concerns as Christian people is that we don't have our eyes at the right place. We're looking at the government. We're looking at the president. We're looking at the people. But there's someone invisible. We need to keep our eyes on him. The one who is invisible. Moses endured by seeing him who is invisible. If we will endure, we will only do it because we see him who is invisible. And so I challenge my own heart, and uh, I don't always know how to respond to the uh, conversations, and I want to learn. Yesterday I was asked, uh, we were in, in uh, uh, family gatherings, uh, several of them yesterday actually, and I was asked, what is this coming year going to hold for us? And uh, what do you say? <laughs> Somehow, and I, I, I feel like somehow, in, in, in that was in the context of a good bit of conversation, or some conversation about some of the current events. Uh, and I reflected back on that conversation later, and I thought, you know, uh, we, we really do, I need to, and I need, when I'm faced with those kind of things, I need to lift our eyes above what we can see, what we can observe. Our, we need to see him who is invisible if we will endure. And so I want to leave that with us. Uh, Onesiphorus gives us uh, the testimony of his life uh, is one of faithfulness in a very difficult time. Um, I want to encourage us with that, with Onesiphorus. It's our turn. We, we, uh, we also can uh, have that kind of testimony that Onesiphorus had. And I want to encourage us to seek that, to pursue that type of testimony for the glory of God. And uh, perhaps it can be said of us, like it was said of Onesiphorus, that uh, we did this, we did that, we endured, we overcame. So, those are just a few thoughts from the life of Onesiphorus.
God bless all of you. Perhaps again, if we are able, let's kneel together and we'll close with prayer. Father, again, thank you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the testimony of Onesiphorus that we've considered this morning. Thank you that there were those who uh, ran the race ahead of us, who um, have been successful, who have been overcomers, who have been faithful. Bless us to that end as well. Father, I pray for each one here again. Strengthen us in the journey. Give us courage to be true to you. Give us, uh, help us to, as it is said of Moses, to see him who is invisible. Lord, help us to maintain and to walk uh, closely to you so that in, in all of the varied circumstances of life and the changing uh, climate, political climate, that we would never lose sight of you, the one who is in ultimate control. Give us strength, Lord, to be faithful, uh, whatever may, may come our way in the future. So bless us and keep us. Help us, enable us, Lord, uh, by your spirit, by your word. May we uh, yield ourselves fully to you. Father, again, thank you for the freedom to gather. Thank you for all uh, who have come out here and in other places. Again, may your, may your church be built. May your kingdom continue to uh, be expanded in the, this day and in this generation. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>